0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Affiliates in Birmingham and in the Aniston Gadsden area. When you hear the song Sweet Home Alabama, um, I don't know what you guys think about, but I remember a story that uh, a guy told me he'd come back from Oktoberfest. He was in Germany, and he said that, you know, they have tents that uh, seat like thousands and thousands, and they're all over the bill sides. And he said, everybody went crazy when they played what song? In Germany, at Oktoberfest. It was Sweet Home Alabama. I thought I'd share that with you at the very top of the show. Lars, what's up? Did Ken Rock what?
2: enrich Sweet Home Alabama, or did he
1: ruin I, it? I think we should ask our music expert <laughs> on no, that. Christian, man. what do you I think? I'm
3: not a music expert, but you know what's funny about Germany and, and music? I saw a video, um, you know, the NFL game uh, was over in Germany. It was the uh, Buccaneers and the Seahawks. And uh, there was a clip going viral about them playing. Uh, was it's the West John Virginia? Denver,
2: yeah, sweet, uh, country. home. yeah, country
3: roads.
1: Take, take me home. Yeah, yeah. They They were
2: having so much fun in Germany. You know what
1: I think? Party? I think John Denver. <laughs>
2: well, it, it takes me back to when I wrote a book on NFL Europe, and I embedded with the Scottish Claymores for the 2000 season and by far and away the biggest crowds were in germany uh... In, in frankfurt in dusseldorf and i know this game was i believe in munich mm. and i, I think that's it's the influence of um so many American bases over there, a lot lot of uh, military personnel. Mm -hmm. And the American culture is sort of a a point of fascination for a lot of Germans. And uh, American football is very popular in Germany. And, man, they just were having the time of their life. And even when Tom Brady was interviewed afterward, he was like, this place is just electric. And it it really made for a cool environment. I
1: did a game in Frankfurt. In fact, y'all really don't need to know this, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. My wife was born in Frankfurt on wow. the base there, uh, so I have ties to Germany. Plus, my grandfather's name was Rommel, so I'm kind of <laughs> all over the place. And, and plus, I'll outdrink anybody in this room in beer. Uh, but anyway, any, I, any I guess other special skills you got? <laughs> uh, done. Uh, although I do know that Germans can't dance, and neither can I. Um, so, <laughs> there, there you go. But uh, this there's, is this is a the way... In,
2: there's a place in Frankfurt <laughs> called Saxon House. Yeah. It's like uh, the one part of Frankfurt that wasn't destroyed in World War II, and it's just like bar after bar after bar, and all right. um, you can get all sorts of wiener schnitzel, which uh-huh. is good stuff. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Did you ever
1: go to Wiesbaden? No. It was a big... Uh, casino. It looked like something James Bond was playing. Anyway, uh, Christian, have you been to Germany? I guess we'll throw you that. Yeah, yeah no,
3: I'm, I'm over here just learning all types of things. I have, I have no clue hey, that, he has
1: class later, but he's not asking that you take notes. Yeah, I,
3: I did get to play in uh, London um, when I was with the Panthers. We played over in London, and that was the coolest experience ever, man. We we got there early. We got to explore, visit. I got to see the palace. Everything. You got the whole experience, and uh, man, that was awesome. So I can imagine Germany's probably really cool, but I need to go someday. Did
2: you guys play in Wembley, or do you remember what stadium you played in? Uh, I, uh, I can't remember the exact name, but a Tottenham
3: Spurs stadium. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, that's where we played. I was
2: over there a couple years ago. Uh, I was doing an Adrian Peterson story when mm. he was uh, with the Cardinals. And for whatever reason, Bleacher Report felt the need to send me to London to interview Adrian Peterson. <laughs> I was really mad about it, actually. They, they called me on a Monday, and they're like, you got to get on a plane on Tuesday. And my mom was here, and I don't get to see uh. her that much. And it was just sort of a bad scene. But um, I know for the players, I don't know if they necessarily like
3: the travel. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, and did you get over the jet lag? So that, yeah, that's a good point. So there's some guys that were kind of irritated with it. But, you know, I, I was young. I was uh, in my rookie year. But, um, I, you know, I, the jet lag wasn't too bad. I think I was just so excited just to for me to I think cause I had been out of the country like as a small child. Uh, but other than that, never had been. So this would be my first time. So I was just thrilled about that and seeing all the cool things. Plus, I'm a pretty big soccer fan myself. So um, being able to play in that stadium and the the atmosphere was awesome. Did, did do you
2: feel like the fans kind of knew the rules and 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 what's the punter the most popular
4: player? <laughs> no, you, you
3: know the most popular player that that day was actually one of my teammates. His name was uh, F A Obata, and he was uh, from the U K. Okay. And so he was like the center of attention, and we made him a captain that uh, that game, and it was awesome. Matter of fact, we played the Buccaneers over there, and that's what we played in that game. And in on on uh,
2: Sunday morning, I was watching the game. The the two punters were unbelievable. I mean, they were hitting like seventy five yard bombs going out of bounds at the one yard line, and the crowd would just go crazy over <laughs> these amazing punts. So um, they could identify, simply, yeah. and, and 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 you saw Roger Goodell was there on Sunday as well. I'm sure he took a private jet. He had to take in a private jet, right? He didn't uh, run a coach, I'll yeah. guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. But he
3: afterward, he said that they are going to do more games. In yeah, Germany. I think he said
1: five, yeah. did he not? Yeah. And he that's. He mentioned
3: uh, France and Spain, I think, uh, being potential locations next. What do
2: you guys think of having not one, but two franchises located
1: over in Europe? I can't wait to hear what Christian says because I can imagine the NFLPA. I don't know. The travel, uh, the a, expense, the, the wearing. I mean, they're already wearing their bodies out. And I don't know what it does when you got to fly seven hours, especially if it's not just L- what is London? Five hours? Uh, well, a flight it's, it's, from, it's from from the coast, six, East six Coast. From so, Kansas, so, I mean, what, when you play LA, when the Raiders are, excuse me, <laughs> they're in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Golly. By the way, this is the way a show starts when you play Austin P. I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew <laughs> that we do have that on our radar. But um, the travel to me would be yeah. extensive on a player.
3: No, I, I, I agree 100. percent it Because it, I think you know, what is it like? It's further or more time on the plane going there than coming back, or coming yeah. back's longer. So, yeah. and so, I think coming back was like eight or nine hours. But because you're and, going against the jet stream, exactly. That's right. yeah. But um, see, they timed it with us. It was we had a bye week right after it, yeah. And we got there early, so. It, it, it was fine that way because almost felt it reminded me of almost when we went and played a bowl game in college Where we would go early we'd be there for a few days We would spend time there then you know after the game we have some more time off if you're if you're playing against a team regularly I mean, you know what I mean? Like how are you going to travel all the way to London all the way back and then prepare for another game coming up that the following week? I just feel like I don't um, know. So
2: Just like living because you will most likely be living in a hotel, right? And if you got small kids and wife, and you know, what do you do? Do you take your kids over there for a semester? Uh, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of logistical problems, and you could, and if the season, and I saw this when I was doing NFL Europe. Uh, covering NFL Europe like if the season started it was a, just a 10 game season but if it went bad like you lost your first two games the morale on those teams just sunk right and you could tell that those guys didn't want to be there yeah and they're it, all
1: in a losing bubble
2: yeah yeah I mean it, it, <laughs> it's uh, it guys a lot of those guys are just really miserable really miserable.
1: Meanwhile, the uh, reporters. <laughs> oh, I are, had a time, time our our my in, in every. I had a time in my life
2: in Glasgow. That was a, it's the only time I've been robbed at, at knife point. Guy, it was, it was I I made a mistake by walking home from a pub by myself down a dark alley, and I I know better than that. You know, living in New York City for 15 years, like if there is a, a a street late at night, there's nobody on it, it's not well lit. Just turn around. Just turn around and go the other way, mm-hmm. and uh, I just gave the, the guy you know whatever quid I had
1: on me. <laughs> That's encouraging for NFL playing in Europe. Yeah, and while rob, rob, robbing at gunpoint. Oh, well, knife point. Remember, remember. Knife, it point. knife, knife point. point. There's no guns <laughs> over there. There's no guns. Yeah. So you got. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, um, anyway, this is just kind of the combination of a show here between three guys, and uh, we're going to be trying to do this over the next couple of weeks, and we'll just kind of see what happens. Um, Christian Miller, of course, a fantastic edge wrestler for the University of Alabama. If you don't know Lars Anderson, um, he's been a part of this particular airwave and on, on this hour for four years. Yeah, a little yeah, over four. Long time, very successful writer. Um, New York Times bestseller, and I, I'm Matt. I started my broadcasting career, my sports broadcasting career, right here in this city. We, y'all want to go on? How long ago it was? I think it's 42, uh, 42 years. Wow, 42 wow. years ago. What's but, a, uh, what's the single
2: best event you've ever covered?
1: Oh uh, wow! Could you give me about an hour? Can we? Can we? <laughs> Take a break and let's oh, wow. let you think about
2: it, and we'll come back and talk about that. How about that?
1: That sounds good. That no, actually doesn't sound that good to me. You're really going to press my brain here. Uh, I'll so give you won't. mine, and then Christian can give us the favorite game he's ever played in. There we go. I, I'm all about it. You're listening to the show <laughs> on Time 100.9 in our affiliates in Birmingham <laughs> and in Anston and uh, in Gadsden as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham.
0: Hey, are you sick and tired of living with that constant pain in your knees and back? You know, joint pain doesn't just keep you from doing what you love. It affects your job, your relationships, even simple things like... 36 Or tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 54. Colder on Thursday, a good supply of sunshine, the high 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: All right, we're back. Let's talk a little football. It's Matt Colt along with Christian Miller and Lars Anderson. I wanted to just jump right on this with, with Christian Miller because I hadn't looked up the exact seasons, but I, I know you all played a couple of pancakes. <laughs> uh, it's it's got to be tough. I mean, you just go, oh, God. Even though this team has uh, what is Austin P? They're eight and four. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not a bad team at all, but they're an FCS team. Right? What does it do to you mentally? And do you have to really struggle to practice hard?
3: That's the the biggest thing is to to stay focused and to make sure you're disciplined and uh, you can't you can't look at it as just a, you know a down week um, because again you you still want to play to your standard no matter your opponent and I know that sounds cliche but it's true. Um, th- these games are easy to kind of you know, lose focus because you, you might start looking ahead or whatnot just because you know, your opponent, like you mentioned, you know, they're not the typical quality of opponent you're used to. But it's really important just to, to play your own game and just not worry about who you're playing but worry about doing your job and playing to your own standard. But that's the hardest thing, though, is making sure everybody is on that page. You know, m- mature, older guys are probably going to have the right approach, but sometimes you know, other guys might not necessarily have that right approach, and it's important for the older guys in the leadership group. To get on those guys and make sure everybody's locked in going into these type of games.
1: Can you be intimidated by any team that has the nickname Governors? <laughs> <laughs> Can you picture Kay Ivy out there? Just no, I'm, sure, I'm just kidding.
3: But hey, I'll say this though. I mean, sometimes these these guys, man, they they're this is their Super Bowl, right? And they go into these games and they give you they give you a game. Sometimes, I mean, I. And, and unfortunately, sometimes they do some things that uh, – I'll give you an example. We played the Citadel my senior year, and these guys literally took a picture on the field before the game. Like, they they were embracing the experience. I don't blame them, but we get out there, and, man, these guys start doing all type of things that – I mean, they're cut blocking us, chop blocking us. They're starting doing some, <laughs> some really? stuff. That, oh it seems man! Like all these uh,
5: smaller
2: schools chop block a lot oh, when they, they come do, to play but, Alabama,
3: and, and I get it. You know, they're probably a little undersized and whatnot. But man, I, we started getting mad because we're like, all right, guys, like. Come on, you, you're trying to, you're, you're playing with our careers now. By like, the
1: way, that's like a military institution, right? Right. Oh. Yeah.
3: Citadel marches. And, of, of course, you know, I'm from South Carolina. I had a couple oh, yeah. guys that I know um, on the team. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, what, what are y'all doing here? Like, y'all trying to get us hurt? Because wow. it, it almost, I understand, you know, regular chop block. But these guys started doing some kind of dirty chop block. So you also have to, you know, protect yourself. Because sometimes, I hate to say this, but these, these guys don't really have too much to lose, you know, and...
2: Sometimes. Sometimes it's not time. like
3: they're going to be playing in, on Sundays. You know, you never know. Maybe, maybe
1: one or <laughs> maybe two. two with, uh, one. Yeah, with a couple.
2: Um, yeah, so I, I assume it is kind of hard to get up for the game, and uh, you know, who knows how many people will be in the stands. Um,
6: can you feel that
2: when, when uh, it's especially when you would have an 11 o'clock game? And Coach Saban's talked about this a lot, right, mm-hmm. uh, that the students are really late to getting there, early to leave. Can you sense that? I mean, are you, do you guys feel a lack of energy in the stadium when the crowd isn't as, as sort of boisterous as it normally
3: is? Yeah, I mean, you can feel that. But I think the most important thing is just, you know, be focused of you know what's on the field and just go out there and, you know play football at the end of the day, it's football. I mean, yeah, it's great to have a, a, a stadium that's packed and everybody loud and cheering, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we just want to go out there and play ball, and it shouldn't really matter, you know, who's watching or who we're playing. You know, it's football, and that's we, we work so hard to go out there and play in these games. So, the biggest thing is really just to focus on that and just remember, you know, have fun out there. Um, it's obviously, I mean, you can't blame, you know. It's an early game, you know. People don't want to wake up that
1: early and, yeah. and go out there. for You seven. mean they don't want to wake up and do a radio show at six o'clock in the morning? Uh, I, don't, I don't blame them <laughs> if they don't want to. <laughs> we'll it's just it's, eat breakfast,
3: man. Uh, I uh, know, man. It's all gonna be good. It's not easy, but it's fun. That we have fun, but yeah, those those early games are tough. They're they're definitely tough, man. It's a big a big difference um, than playing you know in the afternoon or at night. Night games, I'd say, are the best though. So. Yeah. Um.
2: Yeah, without question. I I mean, those are the ones, actually, as a writer, you don't like to cover because your deadline is going to be uh, just pushed back. I mean, for us, it was always like 8 a.m. East East Coast time. And if a a night game meant you're going to be pulling an all-nighter no matter what. Um, But, okay, so, Matt, at the end of the last segment, uh, i am afraid you guys remember but it, it, i'll go first i'll even give okay, you some more time all right, all right. and i got i got two that i covered uh professionally and they both took place in auburn number one was auburn lsu 2010 and that was when cam newton basically won the heisman trophy uh by dragging patrick peterson into the end zone And it's in that was the moment when I realized or I I began to believe that Cam Newton is the single greatest college football player I've ever laid eyes on. And then came Joe Um, Burrow. Yeah, right. Well, (laughs) don't even get me started about my man crush on Joe Burrow. But um, and then, uh, you know, years later, I wrote a book with Bruce Arians and B.A.'s favorite all time player was Patrick Peterson. And he he just thought – and Patrick Peterson just – he had a game-sealing interception uh, last week. But he's he's still playing at a really high level. But Bruce told me that uh, pound for pound, Patrick Peterson, best player he's ever coached. Best player he's ever coached. And the fact that Cam could drag him about six, seven yards into the end zone on that run. I don't know if you guys remember the run I'm referring to. But it, it essentially won him the Heisman Trophy. And then the other one, of course, unfortunately, was the kick six. Wow. covering that game i mean Ooh. just the, the 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 fans just went bananas uh after that game and uh it was just uh a, a unfortunate sequence of events for uh for the crimson tide but as a writer that is just like it's got everything you want and uh fun fact so it, the, the that month of november uh there's a walmart in um auburn and that Walmart sold more toilet paper than any Walmart in the world for that month in tiny little Auburn, Alabama, because they had beat Georgia on the prayer and Jordan hare what two weeks prior, and then the kick six and uh, for Rolling Tumors Corner, uh, they just could not keep enough toilet paper in stock.
1: Wow, it was a remarkable game. Oh. Boy, it sent a lot of other people in need of toilet paper for a totally different reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, that was a little gross. But um, all right, um, but when you put yours out there, and I'm glad you did that first, it, it reminded me of, of maybe the most remarkable football game I've ever covered. It was 1988, Auburn LSU. Uh, Auburn has Pat Dye. Uh, they are brutal, and their their defensive linemen and LSU's defensive linemen would take up a door space. And they went at it like I've just never seen two football teams. It was so physical. And I watched a lot of it from ground level just because I wanted to see if that's really what was happening. But it was six to nothing. It was one of those defensive SEC struggles. And uh, it came down to the last drive, and LSU and Tommy Hodson went down the field and scored literally on the last play. And that's the, that's the earthquake game. Where there was a thunder, so it was so, it measured on the LSU geography, you know, they had a ge- geography like um, building nearby and it measured like a four yeah. on the Richter scale. And I was standing next to my photographer and Greg Screws and I said, you? did you get that? I was asking him if he got the video when Hodson threw into the end zone and he couldn't hear. And I was eight inches from his ear. It was that loud. It was, it was incredible. Well, uh, before we get
2: to Christian, Matt, we need to go to break because I just got text from Tim Brando, and oh. he, he's up and ready
5: to roll. Oh. So uh, let's uh, okay. get to, get, that get to Timmy sense. on the other side. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com.
7: Hi, it's Barker for AVX Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audio visual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. white glove type service, you'll love it. Again, it's behambroker.com. Sell your car through behambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to SiebelsCottage.com and order anything you want and type in J. Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The J. Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at SiebelsCottage.com.
6: letter O
1: on the show it's christian Lars, matt joe gaither's behind the scenes pushing all the buttons he's bringing up brando here in just a minute i was just doing a little bit of info on austin p their coach is 30. he's the youngest coach in fcs a guy named scott walden and he was coach at southern miss anyway so he's going against the
2: second oldest coach in yeah. college football. Youngest against second oldest. That's a
1: very good point. I didn't think about that. Brando, good? Brando's on. We just played your ELO. I don't know if you got your intro music or not, and you don't want me trying to sing it. But anyway, Tim Brando was our guest. Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, former Alabama edge Russell. Uh, Rusher, I know that you remember.
8: There's your ELO from Alabama.
1: And, of course, it's me, Matt. Timmy, how are you?
8: I'm wonderful, Matt. Just uh, in my second home this time of year, the Sky Club at uh... Delta, Concourse D, moving to Concourse T from our flight to Newark in about uh, an hour and a half. Good to be with you.
2: Timmy, I was just there last night, way too late, and I did something yesterday (laughs) traveling that I've never done before. Listen
1: listen to this. It's pretty cool.
2: I, um, I, I, I had figured out that there were a lot of empty seats in first class, and so I went to the gate agent and very discreetly said... Here's 30 bucks. Can you bump me to first? And she did it in a New York minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've, never, I've
1: never bribed a gate agent before, but it actually works.
8: That's beautiful. Good for you. That's just great.
1: They sent me that text and I turned to my wife and I said, Guess what Lars just did? I didn't you know, I didn't even know that was allowable. Uh <laughs> now not. everybody flying listening to this show is gonna go, I'll oh, come on and try that yeah. and uh, it'll never be done again. <laughs>
8: Were you were you flying back into Birmingham, Lars? Uh,
1: I was
2: flying from the Midwest to Atlanta and so it was a good oh, okay. like two and a half hour flight and uh um, okay. yeah, it was totally worth it. Totally worth it.
8: Yeah, well I was gonna say if if you're ever flying into or out of Birmingham, you better already have a first class ticket because everybody's platinum medallion in Birmingham. Yeah. I mean, my God, the world the world is flying out of Birmingham all the time it seems so if you've got a coach ticket it's, it's rare you find a, a seat up there flying out of Birmingham I don't know about the end but certainly flying out
2: yeah I mean because it basically it, it, if you want to get anywhere Delta is really your primary option out of Birmingham and, and yeah. American but but Delta um, I think Delta is
8: no, the, the best yeah home. you don't want to go on American you don't want to fly American anytime
2: no You're, you really don't <laughs> I agree uh, okay, Tim, just um, you are you live in Louisiana. you follow LSU very closely. That's the team I want to ask you about and just mm-hmm. are, are you surprised at the success that Brian Kelly has had so early? And do you think that they're a real threat to actually make it to the uh, to the
8: playoffs? No, and maybe. Uh, <laughs> listen, I was telling you guys, I was telling you guys in the summer memory serves me. This team could win nine or 10 games. Uh, I mean, I, I, said that I said it over and over again. And, and people, especially in Louisiana were like looking at me like I was, uh, you know, an alien or something, you know, like I was from outer space that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. They didn't particularly, uh, think they were going to have a very good year. They weren't sure about DK as, the, you know, the right answer. Uh, I'm I'm having to tell these people, my God, and you look at the resumes of the people you've hired before, tell me who's more accomplished than Brian Kelly answer. Nobody. Okay. Nobody hired at uh, LSU, including Nick Saban. Okay. Who was basically a seven and five coach at Michigan state was as accomplished as Brian Kelly is when he was hired at LSU. So, uh, no, I'm not surprised. Um, uh, at all. I think that the guy knows how to win. He's done it everywhere. At Cincinnati, he won with six quarterbacks one year. Six. You know, that team that went to 11-0 and wound up playing Tebow when when uh, Alabama took him out in 2009. That's I had an 11-0 team left, went to Notre Dame, but they were on their sixth quarterback by the time they had won their conference championship. So uh, they've evolved. You know, I tell people all the time college football is about evolution uh, during the course of the season. And I, I thought that they they obviously had a tough one to start. Uh, interesting, though, the turning point was a two-point conversion when, you know, the start was about why didn't you go for two because you were going to have your extra point blocked, you miserable imbecile. I mean, that's what the, the fans were saying about him after week one and that loss to Florida State. But I think it was the time after the Tennessee game, which was a wake-up call for them. uh, I think they really uh, started figuring it out in large measure because Jalen Daniels really got to know and develop some chemistry with uh, Deshaun Butte, which made a world of difference in them. And and everybody else, you know, the run game, everything has sort of come together, and their offensive line has improved, which was a real question mark uh, when the season began. As for the as for the postseason, if they were on the table, and uh, and win the SEC championship, and some may think that's a reach because Georgia, uh, the perception is that they are so much better than everybody else in the league, which I don't believe by the way. I still don't believe that. Um, but if they happen to beat Georgia, and you've seen what's happened now, the Pac-12 just cleared the way for them. Okay, I, I'm not buying USC. I, I think USC could just lose to UCLA this week. Okay, I, I, I see that that potentially happening. Okay, um, I think the Pac-12 is done. I mean, they're finished in terms of the playoff. Uh, so TCU is the the you know that's the team that has to lose, and um, I, I would I would suspect that maybe someone besides Tennessee would have to lose, um, but Tennessee's got to lose, and then maybe somebody else. Uh, for LSU to get in. But I think the potential, the door is cracked. It's not fully open for LSU, but it's certainly cracked open. It wouldn't wouldn't it be interesting? LSU's the only team to make a BCS championship and win it with two losses under Les Miles in 07. Wouldn't it be wild if they became the first two-loss team to make the CFP? That would be pretty wild. They would hold a distinction for being the only two-loss team to ever make it in both the BCS when there were two teams and the playoffs when there were four.
3: Tim, what do you what do you see out of uh, Harold Perkins? Uh, everybody's oh. been talking about him recently, and uh, he obviously had a, a tremendous game against Arkansas. What, what do you see out of him as a young player that's making such a big impact so early on at LSU?
8: He looks to me like Will Anderson in purple and gold. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does. He does. He he, he had uh, certainly the impact uh, of that in the Arkansas game. They absolutely had to have him make some of the plays that he made. And uh, o, o, Olajari is another great talent, too, on, on the other side that everybody knows about. But this kid has, uh, has really sort of come out of nowhere in the minds of some. Uh, that was just uh, – I mean, that was – Lawrence Taylor-esque what he was doing uh, in, in that game against Arkansas. And, and look, everybody thought, and I, uh, I certainly admitted that this was a team that might struggle mightily at an 11 o'clock game uh, in cold weather in Arkansas in the aftermath of the elation you know, of the victory against Alabama that shocked everybody, uh, except maybe the LSU kids and the LSU coaching staff. But that, that was a game that I'm, I'm I'm as impressed with that sort of ho-hum win where the defense really had to work to get it done. It was pretty clear that Coach Odom, the defensive coordinator for uh, Arkansas, did a hell of a job in confusing Jalen uh, in, in the past game. LSU was really struggling. So they had to win that game with just being efficient, uh, running the football, and then having their defense make some impact plays, and and he certainly did all that for them.
1: Tim Brando from Fox Sports is our guest right here. Tim, I think everybody in this control room listening to me knows I'm I'm pro-official. It's such a hard job. People have no idea the speed of the game today. However, mm-hmm. watching the Alabama Ole Miss game, and and, and uh, <laughs> Alabama clearly stops a guy a yard and a half from a first down. I walk into the room to get a, a, a nice cold beverage. I come back and it's first down. I so what did I miss? And then right after that, there's what appeared to be a collision between Alabama and a, um, a wide receiver that should have been perhaps um, pass <laughs> interference or holding or something, but. Has it just really gone downhill that fast? And I don't see any hopes for the future with the problems they're having at the high school and uh, smaller college level.
8: Well, pass interference has become a real joke. Uh, you know, from crew to crew, you don't know really what is pass interference anymore. They allow so much contact and jousting with some crews and then, and then, and then not as much uh, with others. Uh, and it seems like the rules are different when the ball is being thrown into the end zone with pass interference than it is when it's being thrown, you know, on a crossing pattern or a slant, you know, at, at midfield or the 40 yard line. That, that's one thing. Um, so we've got systemic problems in college football. They're not as bad as the NFL. I think, I think the NFL on, on PI and OPI is, is even worse. You know, you've got a lot of offensive pass interference penalties called. In the NFL, we don't see that very much in college, hence the reason why we see pick plays or rubs, if you want to call it, the kind of play that LSU scored on, the kind of play that Clemson scored on when they beat Alabama in 2016 in the national championship. So, you know, you're not going to get many offensive pass interference calls. So the defense is really on its heels uh, when they're in a difficult spot near the goal line. Uh, those things come to my mind. I will point out, and I said this on Twitter, and, and some of the the roughhousing that's going on post play. Okay, uh, Alabama is is they are as guilty of roughing uh, penalties that go uncalled in southeastern conference games as any team in America in any one conference I've ever seen. That has continually happened. It happened to the Evans kid the other night. It was there on Twitter. I pointed it out. Um, and, I, again, I don't know why uh, something isn't said about that. Uh, but all officiating, Matt, to your point, uh, I think there's always a level of accountability that officials should have, and they have zero right now. Uh, hearing an announcement two days later from the SEC office in a statement or from any conference office is not getting it done. There should be one pool reporter assigned to every game that has an opportunity to talk with a white hat, you know, within 20 to 30 minutes of the conclusion of the game. Okay. Whoever the referee is needs to be, uh, in a position of accountability to answer some questions on what happened on this or that play from a single reporter. You don't want, uh, you know, uh, officials in front of the entire press that would not work and it's not feasible. But I do think that, uh, officials should be accountable. Everybody else is, okay? The coaches are, the players are, even the broadcasters to some extent are. But uh, no one's answering uh, from the officials. And, and, and we're, we're living in a time now where accountability and credibility is coming into question. When you, when you allow the veil of integrity to be damaged um, by what's happening in the middle of the game, especially now with... Um, you know the, the the gaming industry being such a part of the game now—that's uh, that's problematic. It's something that college football needs to look at. And I'm not talking about the NCAA because the NCAA has no business being involved in college football. This should be handled by you know the college football playoff people, the 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 members of the cartel, okay, of the college football playoff, the the power conferences. And if the other conferences of the group of five wanted to become a part of it, they should too. But they need to be governing their own sport and having officials uh, more accountable or accountable in in any way is something that absolutely has got to happen.
2: Timmy, we would love to cover a few more topics with you. Can you stick around for another segment?
8: Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Not a problem. It. You're probably you're probably helping me with my diet. You know they got that free food here. Oh, I know. That's what. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I had uh,
2: a chicken salad slider the other day in that very lounge, go. and it's, it was pretty good.
8: <laughs> I'd be happy to do it. All
1: right, Timmy. We'll talk to you more on the other side of this break.
8: Okay, man. All right.
5: Ask big. Have you seen our artisan created diamonds? If you've been in a room with one, you can't miss it. Tom Osmond from Fincher and Osmond.
0: 36 or tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 54. Colder on Thursday, a good supply of sunshine, the high 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Back on the show. Nothing like a little Glen Campbell to get Tim Brando up. Dance a little jig there in the crown room, Timmy.
8: (laughs) Your rhinestone play-by-play guy here. How
1: are you? Hey, uh, let let me start this segment. We're talking with Tim Brando of Fox. Where are you? What game are you doing this weekend?
8: Uh, Well, actually, I haven't gotten too deep into the football game yet because I've got Two basketball games between now and then. I'm I'm headed to Newark, New Jersey, uh, the Garden Spot of the East, for a little uh, uh, Gavitt games matchup. Big Ten meets Big East with the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes playing Seton Hall on uh, Wednesday night. So tomorrow night I'll uh, get over there later this afternoon and visit with the coaches, and see some players, it's a shoot around tomorrow, and we got hoops, Donnie Marshall, and I've got that one, and that's my first basketball game of the year. And then I'm going to stay over and go over to Queens to catch uh, uh, Fred Hoiberg, the mayor, uh, the coach of Nebraska, taking in his uh, Cornhuskers uh, to play St. John's, And I'll have that game on Thursday, and then I'm going (laughs) to... If if I don't get cold enough there, uh, I think uh, the four degrees that awaits me at Minnesota... For that matchup in the Big Ten West, one of four teams tied for the top spot in the West. I think they've all got four losses, Um, all these teams, uh, Illinois, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota. They're all trying to figure out who can finally win their way into the Big Ten title game. And we've got Iowa against uh, Minnesota on uh, Saturday, Spencer. That'll be at uh, 3.30 on Big Fox. So that's my, that's my next five days, boys. Ready to rumble.
1: How much fun? Yeah,
2: this yeah. is this is your busy time of the year. That 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 is for sure. Um, Tim, what are your thoughts on the potential of Lane Kiffin going to Auburn? Do you think he would be a good fit there?
8: No, I, I don't. And I think Lane would really be smart to stay right where he is. Uh, you know. The only thing that's going to happen at Auburn for Lane is he's going to, you know, not have to worry about scolding the fans to show up. You know, Ole Miss is a a bit more passive in its um, uh, in, in the way it approaches college football. They're great fans, but for years it's been more about the tailgate in the Grove than it has been about the game. Uh, I think that was an issue that um, a number of coaches had. Even Hugh Freeze, when he was there, talked about it. He talked about it a lot to his alumni base. When when he was there, my daughter was in school there, and I remember him discussing that uh, with me privately, and he said a few things publicly about it, too. Uh, that's the only thing I think that troubles Lane in but the truth is he has complete control of that program uh, there. Why would you leave that, okay, uh, on the basis of what? Uh, are you going to go and allow – your entire life to be turned upside down uh, by, you know, the whims of one or two, certainly one, but maybe two or three, you know, boosters that can really uh, get inside your skin. I I think it's a bad decision if he chooses to make it. And uh, I think Auburn would be also be wise uh, to go in a different direction because the moment he gets upset, you know, just, you know, see Tennessee for details. He'll be gone. He'll be out of there faster than you can say uh, "yellow wood." Okay, he'll be out of there. (laughs) So I I think I I don't think it makes any sense. I really don't. And I would tell that to Lane to his face uh, if 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 he asked. I'm I'm sure he doesn't care what I think, but if he did, that's what I'd tell him. Uh, I'm also hearing uh, you guys may have seen this. I actually got questions about it when I spoke in Mobile a week ago Monday. I had some Auburn people asking me about carnell williams and this was after the close loss to mississippi state well there are a lot of auburn people going berserk right now for carnell williams they want him to get a legitimate opportunity to become the head coach and uh when you look at the way he performed and his team performed against a and M, i a&m i'm not so certain that um that wouldn't be the best thing for them to do um you know, in a lot of ways, Carnell is a contemporary player. He's somebody the guys obviously identify with. A lot of young players identify with. Uh, and what do you hear all the time from these fans that are angry? We need somebody from the family. It's all about the family. Family, family, family. All right. Well, who could be more family than Carnell Williams? Um, I'd say give the keys to the Cadillac to Cadillac. See what he can do. I like the idea of that. I really do. And Um, at this particular time with a brand new AD, uh, it might be a smart thing for John Cohen to do. It might be. Um, and it would certainly, uh, change the image, I think outside of, uh, the plains of Auburn about the school in a lot of ways, if they gave this guy an opportunity, I really believe that.
1: Hey, Timmy, as always, we appreciate your time. When you get to St. John's, when you get to Queens, I want you to pull Mike Anderson aside and tell him that Matt says hello to him and his lovely wife, Marcita, two of my favorite people. Uh, You know, I did that run when Mike was at UAB, beat Kentucky, and um, I spent a lot of Thanksgiving and Christmases with Mike, and he's just a class (laughs) act. So,
8: you know, he's never – I'll do that. You know, he's never had a losing season, ever. Yep and uh and he's got a team this year matt that is uh picked to be in the upper division of the big east i think they're definitely a tournament team he did a he did a wonderful job in the portal and in recruiting last year so i'll be sure to tell him that for you
1: please do and let me tell you if you're a tournament in the tournament and you see mike anderson's team next in in your bracket you go oh crap because you can't oh no you can't prepare for them it's just
8: it's impossible Although, Kansas especially if you did. get them in the, yeah, especially if you get in the second round, and yep. you only have a day, a day to prepare, that's
1: absolutely right. Tim on Fox Sports, thanks for all your time. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Tim.
8: You got it. Great.
1: We'll do another hour of this. What do you think?
3: Sounds good.
7: And Mount Laurel for lunch or dinner.
0: WTUG HD2 Northport and W265 CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: Welcome back to the show. Our Anderson, Matt Colter. There's Christian Miller producer kudos variety of subjects i appreciate tim brando he's always very generous with his time and he's just uh, full of information and he doesn't mind you know a lot of guys at that broadcast level uh pretty much stay vanilla you know they they don't Mm want to take a chance on saying something but he says lane kiffin no he says carnell carnell yes let's go chase that's all right every every chair in here kind of squeaks with the, every chair <laughs> particularly this one with the old guy in it squeaking <laughs> uh but um going round table christian who will be auburn's next football coach it's just tough to say i was honestly
3: shocked that he uh he felt strongly about carnell i that was I was, I was thinking he would lean towards uh you know someone with a little more experience but um I mean, I agree with his points on why Carnell would make a great coach, and then in terms of um, being something different, um, establishing that trust with those players, and and basically earning earning um, you know the the earning the players over. But um, it's just tough to say, man. Um, you know, I, I I just in the back of my mind, I just I just feel like they're going to lean towards someone more experienced. But I really do feel like it'd be cool to see something different. Um, with, with Carnell Williams being there. I think that would be a really cool hire for them. I just don't know if I see that happening. Lars, thoughts on that?
2: I think uh, it's going to be Lane. I really do. Really? And uh, selfishly, I want it to be Lane because he will just bring <laughs> so much drama uh, to the state of Alabama. He is uh, 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 such a compelling figure. And, um, you know, uh, Christian, I did want to ask you what the Alabama players how they felt about Lane when he was there
3: we loved him you know he was always you know a funny guy to be around but in terms of the X's and O's he always was very smart very creative with his offenses um, did a really good job putting his players in positions to make plays just a really bright football mind and uh, he's definitely a players coach Um, you see his relationships with all his players especially you know with his quarterback at Ole Miss in recent years they had a very very special relationship so Overall, he's just a, a really good coach, and um, it, it appears that he's even, you know, matured and grown up um, over the years. And uh, he's probably adopted some things from, you know, working with Coach Saban, as we've seen and as we've heard um, throughout some of his interviews. So. Um, I, I think a lot of players have a lot of respect for him and I, I think he, he definitely would make a great coach there I just think it's kind of tough you know leaving Ole Miss where he's kind of built
2: No, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, it would be hard to leave there, uh, but I think uh, Auburn, Five million more yeah, might do it. Yeah. No, that'll do what, it. <laughs> what were your observations of Lane and Coach Saban interacting within the Moore athletic facility?
3: Well, Lane always had a lot of respect for Coach Saban and uh, you know obviously we saw what a lot of other people saw sometimes on the sidelines, you know, Coach Saban giving it to him but I think ultimately Lane had that respect for him and and, uh, you know, made a way to uh, made a way to make it work. You know, it's probably not the easiest thing working for Coach Saban, especially in a coordinator position. Um, But Lane always seemed to do a good job with handling that well and and uh, making sure that he corrected the things that he needed to correct. And uh, ultimately ultimately just do a really good job um, getting those guys in position
6: to make plays. So is Auburn, the Joey, sorry,
2: Matt, one no. more question yeah, sure. for you. We, oh, I can talk, talk. Joey Freshwater. Yes, Go I, ahead. People yes. want to know about yeah, Joey Freshwater. The freshwater so now, thing, real or not real? Because my students swear, my students I had at the time, right, that uh, that Joey Freshwater was a real thing.
3: I mean, I'm, I'm sure he definitely you know enjoyed himself <laughs> in the town. I mean, I personally didn't really see him out, but you know. Uh, People are probably saying it for a reason. I'm <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you do, need, too, to be, you nice do need to be politically correct uh, at some and, point. And yeah. um, you know, in
1: ten years, Christian might have a better answer for that. We'll just have to wait on it. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what I want to is Auburn put themselves in a kind of a difficult situation because of the success and the popularity of Carnell Williams. Because I don't see now that they can just go out and hire somebody with a name like a Brian Harsin or something like that, they better hit big. Uh, and Carnell's put pressure on them. And I agree with you, Lars. I think they will hit big. And Lane Kiffin will now be playing Saban once a year yeah. inside the boundaries of the state of Alabama. He'll be loving every minute of it. I'm, I'm not so sure that Saban is, but back to my original question: Would
2: it would this tip the balance of power in the state once Coach Saban retires?
1: Yes, mm.
2: and it, it. I guess it depends on so. who who is who's next in line at Alabama. I mean, heck, I, I I thought that Lane had a chance to be the next coach at Alabama if he wanted it. I don't know. You think that's even a possibility? Let's say he doesn't take the Auburn job. Could mm-hmm. Lane be? The successor to Nick Saban one day.
3: I think it's slowly becoming more and more possible. Um, if you would have asked me that a couple of years ago, I probably would have laughed at it. But um, as time has gone on, again, it, it looks like Lane has matured and he's just gotten better and better as a coach and, and um, slowly just proven himself even more. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, a lot there was a lot of talk about the you know Dabo Sweeney. Uh, I feel like that's kind of died down a little bit. Yeah, but I don't as, think Dabo's going. Um, I don't know. Um, maybe it might come back up, but
2: yeah. You know, uh,
1: hey, remember you know what? Lane? Lane's what if in- Lane gets the Auburn job? Does Dabo want it worse? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, but- I don't know, man. He
2: is he has built such a his own little kingdom there at Clemson, and the facilities are second to none. Seriously, um, and they there's just a uh, he does a really good job of, of raising money, and he's just got a great thing going being in the ACC. I know they're not going to make the playoffs this year, but. Um, I would be really surprised if Dabo would come home, but again, you never know. Uh, You never know what could happen. But I do remember Lane, right after he left Alabama... Um, He did an interview. It was with Pete Thamel and Sports Illustrated and saying that he aged in dog years in Tuscaloosa. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, you know that quote will be resuscitated every time uh, Lane comes uh, back into Tuscaloosa. But uh, I I think just for pure, like, theater it would be great having lane in oh. this state and having lane going against uh Nick uh at Auburn and just add so much more intrigue
3: to the Iron Bowl. Well, you know, there's also been some talk about Deion Sanders potentially getting a look at that Auburn job. I don't I don't know how real of a possibility that is, but um there's been some some what, what buzz you, about that. What
2: do you that. think of that? What do you think of Dion? Like how would he fit into the culture at Auburn,
3: oh, he would bring his own culture, yeah. Lars. It would it would look totally different. <laughs> I mean, you see what he's doing over um, at, at Jackson State. I mean, he, they're 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 a great football program, but they definitely um, they it's it's a whole new whole new momentum there. It's it's just different, you know. He's got a lot of you know rappers coming in the program, yeah. and um, it's great. I mean, it's exciting. I just I just don't know if I can see Auburn taking on that identity or that role. I just I yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just,
1: I, I remember sitting in the studio with Antonio Langham just a couple, three weeks ago, and I, I asked him point blank, and he said, prime time will not miss. Langham actually it, showed yeah. up. Lang- I must have been out that day. <laughs> <laughs> you were off a day? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, but he just said uh, it won't work. He can't be. Here's what his quote was pretty spot on here. He can't be prime time at Auburn exactly
3: man that's kind of what i was leading to i just i don't know and and i'm know, knowing Deion sanders and how he is he he doesn't want that job if he can't be himself if he can't go in there and be himself and, and implement his program how he wants to he's not going to want to do that job anyways
1: i want to extend the question back that i asked brando about officiating um it, it, when matt coulter starts complaining about it i'm not patting myself on the back then there's a problem because <laughs> i i really i'm i'm in favor of you know that Like I said to Brando, It's such a difficult job But I mean When they're missing Are Are you familiar Y'all familiar We should get get Steve Shaw on We should Um, I started uh, his Officiating career I'll tell you that story later But when you're familiar with the story. Well, you're taking I'm,
2: responsibility
1: um, uh, for launching the career of Steve Shaw? No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking responsibility for Steve Shaw launching my career in broadcasting oh. and not officiating. Okay. Oh, I didn't want, and and At intramurals over here, it was horrible. I wanted to hit people. They were just yelling and screaming, but the first down that shouldn't have been. Are you all familiar? It was pretty early in the game. Oh, yeah. I, saw, I
3: saw it. They yeah. didn't even and, review it. No. It, it was weird. It was,
1: like I said, I walked out of the room and it was for, I went... So, when it's that bad, Christian, oh, what do we do? Uh, I don't well, know. First of all, let me interrupt myself here, or you, but uh, is it as bad as Matt thinks it is? I'm, I'm with you. I know they have a hard job.
3: Uh, even with me being sideline reporter, I'm trusting my eyes just watching the game, and it's not always easy to see everything um, from my perspective. So, I know those guys have a hard job, but... I, I do feel, though, that some of these calls we've seen recently, it's just it's been tough. Um, and it's a, it's a, honestly to every level. You know, you see it in the National Football League. You see it in college. I've even seen some crazy clips online of high school refs moving the ball <laughs> like a yard just to make it a first down. I'm like, really? But it's it's tough. I mean, especially um, like Tim was mentioning, the, the, the P.I. calls, the pass interference calls. It's terrible. I mean, you can't even defend a guy anymore. I mean, it feels like even if, if you just put a fingertip on a guy, they're they're looking to call uh, pass interference. So I don't even know how you how you teach guys to defend nowadays. So,
2: so speaking of that, um, and going back to the game in Germany, DK Metcalf, Seattle wide receiver, um, he obviously felt that he was interfered with, mm-hmm. and as he's running off the field, the side judge is jogging with him. Right, and they finally get to like midfield or midway through the midway to the middle of the field, and DK says something. I don't know what it was, and that's when the ref throws the flag, 15 yard field goal or 15 yard penalty. It made a 40 yard field goal into a 55 yarder. Kicker ended up making it, so it didn't didn't really matter. But Christian, what is it? You can say to an official, you're not touching the official. Mm-hmm. But what is like the ultimate no-no to uh, say to an official to trigger him to throw or her the flag
3: on yourself? You mean to get yeah, one thrown like, on, right on you? the
2: player? Like, is there anything? Like an is there anything coaches? Is there anything coaches tell you? you absolutely do not say this no, to no the they official. tell you don't
3: speak to the officials first and foremost because <laughs> I know I sometimes I used to talk to officials when I felt like I was getting held and I would I would be like ref what are you doing like he's holding me like look like look for the hold and uh, you know normally if, as long as you're in this basic dialogue you're being respectful there's no issue but um, Obviously, is
2: it when you
3: get personal. I mean, if you if if you if you cuss them out, you know what I mean. If you, if you say something disrespectful, you know they're obligated to probably go ahead and throw a flag I, on you. But if
2: you use a curse word, that,
3: oh yeah, if you that, use a curse word, I'm almost positive they're going to end up throwing a flag. Basically, if they feel <laughs> like you're attacking them or you're, you're disrespecting them, there's a good chance you'll get a flag. But it's honestly the the other uh, part of it that's interesting too, though, is you'll see refs throw flags in favor of a guy, like you know discussing it with them. Like I've seen um a receiver start you know getting in a ref's ear next thing you know he throws he he gives the receiver the call and i'm like after letting him bleed his case yeah if you if you if you watch the nfl they do that all the time you'll see a receiver like putting his hands up and like say a couple words to a ref and next thing you know a flag comes and
2: we just saw that a couple weeks ago with tom brady yeah remember the the roughing the passer uh it was a real crazy call like brady like gets hit and he looks up at the ref and it's like he's talking to the ref and then, and then boom, the flag, the the flag, flag comes, comes out. <laughs> out yeah it's just like
3: man they need to make a rule I feel like oh, there's it, wow. like a almost like a shot clock on the the, the time you have to throw a flag because oh. it, I think it's ridiculous that if, if you didn't throw it when the penalty occurred or when the foul occurred you can't have someone persuade you into throwing. throw and I see it all the time with receivers you know and I, I hate that
2: and is it are, are makeup calls real
3: I mean, I can't say for sure, but it as seems a, player, like it, as it, a fan,
2: it, it seems like... And
3: as a player, I feel like that does happen sometimes. Like cause they make a bad they
2: call. They make a bad call,
1: and then, and then they come uh, back one and... One or two well, plays later... And It goes back it to goes the whole Miss the call. Way. When they did, they gave them the first down when they shouldn't have, then there was kind of like a no-call when Alabama's uh, defensive back ran, ran into a wide receiver. It could have been called pass interference, but they didn't. Yeah. So, in a sense, two no-calls was like a makeup call. I
3: almost feel, I mean, this even applies almost to the Alabama-Tennessee game. You know, there was... Uh, I think in the uh, when Alabama, the, our receiver at Alabama probably committed an offensive pass interference, but he did a good job selling it. They called it a defensive pass interference, and it, it led, us, uh, led to us scoring. And then you look at it later in the game, I didn't think that really was pass interference that uh, Malachi Moore committed where you, Kool-Aid caught that the, interception. He, and he
1: the threw the flags so, the flag. <laughs> it so late.
2: He was 40 <laughs> yards away when that
1: flag came out. That's what really bothered him. Me about I mean, officiating and that call,
2: and I'm like you, Matt. I don't like bashing the officials. It is so hard. I, one time, I refed like a uh, sixth grade basketball game, and it was impossible. It was well, impossible. Then you had the worst thing there. and, yeah, and, those and then, then I had parents, coaches yelling at me. I hated it. Never did it again. But that single call, you could argue, changed the entire course of Alabama's season. But that call doesn't happen. They win the game. And you have a much more confident team. You know, who, who knows? But I, I do think that if, if you are going to write
3: the story of Alabama's season, the lead of the story is that play. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, because you're right. I mean, all the momentum was in Alabama's favor up to that. You know, uh, Dallas Turner picked up that fumble. and Then you know, Tennessee's driving down the field. They get that intercept. And it, it looked like a typical Alabama game where, oh, man, here comes Alabama. Yeah. coming. You know, doing what they do. At the last minute, they, they finish. And then it all just
1: went away. But that call. I thought it was a little bit of a make call when I just described a minute ago, but... I know. I think there are makeup calls in basketball, but there were yeah. never any calls against Michael Jordan. Just like there aren't any calls against Tom Brady. They're, they have meetings about that. And they say don't. Twenty-three cannot charge. Okay,
2: I'm exaggerating. Just Tampa coming back. <laughs> Brady's got his mojo back. He got over. He got over Giselle really fast. <laughs> That's a
3: horrible joke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Divorce is awful. <laughs> Never get divorced,
1: especially twice. Oh, man. Speaking of models, (laughs) supermodels. All right, I'll I'll wait uh, and share this with you on the other side of the break.
5: Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Cleaning
0: your fuel system can help your engine run better and improve gas mileage. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts and pick up a bottle of Chevrolet. 36. For tomorrow, partially sunny. The high 54. Colder on Thursday. A good supply of sunshine. The high 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. It's you
7: and me
5: forever. My love.
1: Back on the show, Lars Anderson oh, and Culture. Christian Miller. Uh, here's the topic. I'll bring up something outside of the boundaries of of football, basketball, baseball, the whole deal. Do you know Pete Davidson? I think everybody Pete knows Pete Davidson. Him. He's the kind of the guy that was just dating uh Kardashian. He was on Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. Uh, he he was late, didn't show up once. He hacked a bunch of people off. He's now doing Taco Bell commercials. Uh, and, and to be very nice about it, he's kind of an odd-looking guy. You know, he has very deep-set eyes with big bags underneath them. Yeah. But he dated one of the Kardashians. I don't keep up with him. Which one was it? Jonathan, do you watch that show on a regular basis? Uh, uh, Ariana Grande. Is she a good-looking woman? See, I don't know. Well, she now is. he's dating this unbelievable, this striking model, Emily Radijoski. Radakowski? Radakowski, i believe yes i guess that i'm answering my own question here okay somebody just texted me and said it's kim okay that one what is this guy doing i mean do they they get free taco bell for dating him or <laughs> if you remember when lyle lovett married uh julia roberts people are going wow I'm not making much progress with this topic. Shall we yeah, he's move doing, He's doing something right.
2: Yeah. Uh, he uh, recently confirmed on a show um, the size of a certain body oh, part. Okay. Next up. Yeah. Let's talk about what's going to happen <laughs> yeah, let's tonight. Move, let's move on. Tonight,
1: I, you know, I didn't know it was going to come to that, but to be honest with you, in the back of my mind, I thought it might be there. So, <laughs> um, I think one of them said I, they dated him because he was smart. I went, well, huh? I don't know if he's that either. but uh. So can I ask you guys,
2: let's get back to football here and not uh, <laughs> other things. Um, right now, who are the best four teams in the country and who do you guys think will make the college football playoffs? I will go first. I think Georgia is actually the best team in the country right now. I really do. Uh, Their defense is playing great. Stetson Bennett, I'm his number one cheerleader. Uh, Christian, last year when talking about Stetson Bennett, I said it was like me playing quarterback for Georgia. And (laughs) I just could not have been more wrong. I mean, this guy is, you know, you hate to use the word competitor because everybody's a competitor out there. But um, he just makes plays. And he's throwing the ball down the field now uh, with more accuracy. He's got complete command of the offense. The players obviously believe in him. And I, I went from thinking like this he has no business being the starting quarterback at SEC school to now he might have an eight-year career as a backup in the NFL. Who knows? Maybe he'll be a starter one day. He's like a, 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 a little shorter version of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. In, in a sense. Um, and so I, I think Georgia makes it in. I think they win the SEC championship. I think Ohio State uh, ends up beating Michigan in, in the, the key game of the season uh, in uh, in the Big Ten. That game is going to be played in Columbus, Ohio. Michigan has been yapping about their victory last year for a long time, and uh, I think they will get their comeuppance uh, I also think TCU is gonna make it in. Um that was really uh I thought an, an impressive uh showing that they ha- had against Texas. I think most people thought that Texas was gonna win that game. And me, then I think Tennessee <laughs> I think I think Tennessee's gonna make it in. Uh uh and, and it would be interesting if Tennessee is the four seed, you would have Tennessee, Georgia in this scenario, playing in the semifinals. I don't know if the committee actually wants that, but perhaps Tennessee could hopscotch over TCU. But uh, So I think on the outside looking in, you'll have LSU, USC, and uh, unfortunately, Christian, you're Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, So your thoughts. I'll start with you, Christian.
3: Well, I really like Georgia. I like what they're doing, especially defensively. I mean, these guys just get after it. And uh, like you mentioned, Stetson Benton is doing a great job at quarterback for them. Kind of a system guy. You know, he, he does what he needs to do. He, he makes the right plays, and and uh, just, it just really works for them. Ohio State with C.J. Stroud looks like a really good football team. And uh, I definitely, I, I'm going to take them over Michigan. It, it's just tough for me to see. So if Michigan loses, that would just be their one loss, and then you have Tennessee if they went out, they only have one loss, and that's the number one Georgia. So things kind of get a little interesting, um, you know, because Southern Cal played a really good football game against Colorado um, and pretty much blew them out, and so they went out. They win the Pac-12 championship. I mean, it's it's just it's very interesting. But to answer your question, I would say Georgia number one, Ohio State number two. Uh, I think you know TCU. Obviously, they went out. They're in there. Mm-hmm. So those are three. Um, but that fourth spot is just—I don't know. I feel like it can go a number of ways. You know, do you put—you know—one ten, loss Tennessee to Georgia? Their only loss is the number one Georgia, or do you put uh, Southern Cal? They have one loss. They're you know—you know, Pac-12 champions. It's—it's kind of tough. So that—that's just going to be interesting to see. But I mean, Tim mentioned you never know. I mean, what if if LSU wins out for whatever reason they beat Georgia and Atlanta?
1: Do they make it with two losses?
3: You know? I feel like you you I almost have, you have to, to. And yeah. You know, and then it and
1: probably to... knocks out
2: Tennessee. Is there any scenario at all in which Alabama makes it in?
3: I, I think well, <laughs> all these teams would teams. have to lose yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it, two it, you know it, two times.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are two teams just within the SEC in front of them. With one loss, and then you got Georgia too. So I mean, it could, <laughs> yeah, I guess if they had four SEC teams in there, uh, Oregon didn't do themselves any fav- favor. They gave you know voters a break here because mm-hmm. they lost. That surprised everybody, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're back out. Um, it's hard to throw TCU out, although I'm going to look up the standings. Can, can if I they say went out, something? Who would two- TCU play in a championship? I'm going to look up the, the Big 12. Uh, that I don't
2: second. know. Um, going back to Oregon, really quick. Did you guys find Dan Lanning's decision to go for it on fourth and one with half a minute, with a minute and a half to go? Game is tied at 34. The Ducks are on their own 33, right? and And, and instead of playing for overtime, he goes for it. They get stuffed. Four plays later, Washington kicks the game-winning field goal. Oregon's done. I mean, that is – I I don't understand, Christian, this uh, uh, – it's become so pervasive, not just in college football but in pro football, of going for it. Uh, on your side of the field, mm-hmm. more often than ever before, and I guess it comes down to like what the analytics say. I
3: was about that perfect word right there, keyword analytics, and that's what a lot of people are transitioning to. Um, you heard Coach Saban mention it. Um, they they literally have a, a sheet. These teams have sheets. They they have people on staff that their only job is to run analytics and percentages on you know what what percentages if it you know if it's fourth and one inside your own 30, inside your own 40, you know what I mean, on their 30. Yeah. It's 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 crazy to think about, but they have these sheets, and that's what these coaches are, are normally yeah, going off of now. That's, uh, guys, I'm, I'm going
2: to go like the are on Coaches you. are getting burned by it. Yeah, more than you know, I, I, I The thing I about
1: it is the analytics don't take into uh, account things like weather, momentum, Emotion, home field. Yeah. Uh, how about the turf you're playing on? Mm. Um, how about if your quarterback's hurt? You yeah. know, not, analytics don't – they can't. But I guess do they have a device now where you can enter all that in? <laughs> there's there's probably an app oh, coming wait, out I just, soon, yeah. man. That's a great idea. Oh, uh, yeah. I just yeah. exposed our million dollar idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you though. I, I I prefer just old school, just you know, sticking to to our game plan and football. Because nowadays, I mean, they have analytics for every single thing possible. Again, there's there's literally people on staff. That's their job and. It's it's a really cool idea and it's neat. I just feel like sometimes these coaches rely too heavily on it. I agree. And it backfires.
1: I agree one hundred percent. Sometimes you just got to go with your gut. That's right. Which, by the way, K- Kiffin made a huge error <laughs> in the Alabama game. Absolutely. Where the, were they at
7: the thirty-five?
1: Well, and also the opening drive, mm-hmm. kick the point, kick the field goal, the, the yeah, chip shot, exactly. Take the points, get the lead. Yeah. But you know that's kind of his mantra. He'll do that, and nobody does it more than the pirate. Yeah, and I'm something. <laughs> he has his own analytics. <laughs> he pirates. doesn't answer to anybody's page, does he? We he need answers we, to a cowbell. We
3: need to get him on the show. Man, that would be entertaining. He,
1: we used to be able to do that. So maybe we can work on it again. But anyway. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what end we covered? Oh. Uh, We'll figure it out over the little, break. little basketball note here or two, and also USFL note yeah. about their, where they're going to play and everything. I was a little confused. We'll get back in a minute.
7: Built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800 448 1962. That's 800 448 19 six two and just for listening go to seablescottage and order anything you want and type in jay barker for a special discount code that's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the Jay Barker show. Siebels in downtown Homewood or online at Sieblescottage
6: dot Letter O.
1: Back on the show with Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, and Lawrence Anderson. hoops tonight. Is that right? Is that on your program, wall? I think so. Oh, got to let somebody in. Alabama likes to, Natos likes to play in different markets, and he chooses one of the larger ones in the state of Alabama each year. I think last year he did Huntsville. I know he's done Birmingham. I think tonight he's doing Mobile. Uh, so they're down there playing the Jaguars of South Alabama. So you'll hear that on the uh, affiliates, which that includes our Tuscaloosa affiliates, 100.9, the Tide. And that'll be well worth listening. Guys, I was looking at what they did to Liberty the other night and, and we'll just do a, a, a very brief dive on this, but um it was like eighty four fifty nine. I mean and Liberty's got that good little point guard. They're a pretty good basketball team, but it was just boom. And did you go by any chance, Jonathan? We didn't go. Did I? I'm I'm messing with my producer's head. <laughs> but that Brandon Miller kid had a, almost another double double and um, Alabama's basketball team has a chance to make a huge splash this year. So, and I think their next home game is coming up maybe this Friday night against Jacksonville State. Um, that being said, Lars, you and I uh, took children and went to a lot of USFL games last year. Yep, uh, Birmingham Stallions, and lo and behold, they ended up you know Skip Holtz and your buddy Bo Scarborough. That's right. They ended up winning it all. Uh, and they will kick off the season in Legion Field. And I believe I said yesterday, I thought they were going to be playing in the bubble again. Well, yesterday they made an announcement that they will be playing some games in Birmingham and a, a lot of others in New Orleans. So that's that's weird. They have not released a schedule except for maybe one Birmingham game to open up the season. So I became a big fan of the USFL. It was very decent football. I think they did a nice job of promoting it and uh lars is uh you and your three children know um it's a fun time it was it was fam family friendly family friendly
2: and um you know they enjoyed it and uh uh you know they had some issues uh <laughs> like at the concession stand every once in oh, a while first game was, yeah, yeah, it
1: was bad
2: yeah they weren't they weren't prepared for that that many people but um yeah, I, 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 I love it. I love it. I, I, w- I want football year-round, and uh, I think that this actually can work, and I hope it does. Uh, Christian, I don't know if we've ever got your thoughts on just uh, on, on the eight-team league that is the USFL. Mm-hmm. Um, one, would you ever consider playing in that if, if all of your options ran out in the NFL?
3: Uh, personally, I probably wouldn't. I mean, I think it's great for guys that, that you know, their NFL time's done and they're, they're looking for another option or um, guys that uh, were recently cut from NFL team. We saw a lot of guys actually go play in the USFL and then proceed to, to earn, uh, you know, spots on yeah. NFL rosters, even if it was just a training camp spot. It gave them that opportunity, opportunity to make another NFL team. So I thought it was um, great for that, and uh, I thought it was – Honestly, some good football when I watched. I never got to go to a game. But watching on TV, um, they played some really good football. Yeah. And it, it was entertaining. And uh, there definitely uh, was some some good competition there. So I'm excited to see what they have going forward. You know, I, I don't think uh, – you know, and the NFL is almost like the only league, I feel like, that doesn't really have like that developmental um, type deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really wish they would, you know, form some type of partnership with, with a league like the USFL because I feel like it would be very beneficial um, to have guys in that developmental role and kind of, you know, link it to an NFL organization, maybe.
1: They have a small, be it, Kristen, a very small relationship with the NFL. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they're AAA feeding, a farm team feeding. Right, or the and I see G League. It, league. Yeah, yes, the yeah, yeah, the G League. Birmingham is a G League, too. I, right. I don't know how many people are aware of that, but it's pretty decent basketball. Several, John Petty was on that league, on, on their roster um, Kyra Lewis may have been on there too. I don't know, but, um, it is not a structured feeding. It's not a farm system that you have in both the NBA and major league baseball. Uh, and honestly, for a while they didn't need it because that's exactly what college did. Uh, particularly when most guys stayed in the same team and went on to their senior year and then went on, they developed, I mean, that was their farm system. That's right.
2: and, Look, the um, the broadcast partners of Fox and NBC are absolutely thrilled. This is not they about. This is not about uh, how many people are in protective life. This is all about TV ratings and uh, the championship game. For instance, uh, averaged one point two five million viewers. I mean, and that is actually a pretty impressive number. Um, I think uh, for the season, uh, it was right around about, uh, I think, 750,000 or so. And so in and, and both, um, it, we've heard from executives from NBC and Fox saying couldn't be happier, couldn't be happier. And, it, you know, and this is just year one. Hopefully they can build it up and keep it going.
1: Well, and the deal there is you go, a million people watching. That doesn't sound like a lot. You have to look at what the other networks are airing and how poorly they're doing. Uh, this is the strength of a Saturday afternoon, and th- that is music to the ears of the network officials and the advertisers. They're probably getting a really good rate and a good return on their investment. So, And didn't you guys like the
2: use of drones in the TV coverage. Yeah, but uh, those they scared cool. me when I was watching yeah, them. Yeah, know, when it. I know <laughs> when, when, when you are there, it kind of freaks you out. Uh, and, and the helmet cameras, giving um, unique camera angles for viewers. Um, and then you could hear like live audio from coaches' communications. and. Mm-hmm um it's just pretty cool like they pull back the curtain a little bit for the average fan
3: yeah no I thought they implemented a lot of cool things and then uh again I feel like it would be a great resource for the NFL to maybe work out a partnership or a relationship a better relationship with with them to to I think um the XFL is trying to work with NFL on a number of things and yeah that's another interesting uh thing to mention you know that that league's coming up do you think that's going to take away from the USFL do you think that's going to Maybe ate it? How do you I how do you think do it's definitely going to take away from it's, it. Uh, I, you, I think gonna they're
1: going they're, to many... they're,
2: they're be duking it out. I, mm. I, I mean, I think spring football can work, yep. mm-hmm. but I don't think there's enough room
3: for two leagues. Do you guys? I mean, remember you still have the Canadian Football League too. That, yeah. What that runs love what me summer
1: Canadian League, Is that summertime, I think something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, I think they're in their playoffs right now. Believe it or not, I still watch Canadian Football League. I did really? one year. How do you when how do you even had watch it. Canadian football? It comes on ESPN and ESPN too in yeah. certain time slots. And you just you know be scrolling through your menu, and all of a sudden I'll see it. I'll go. I love to watch this because you got four guys in motion at the same time, all running the line of scrimmage. <laughs> uh, I actually had a post. Poster in my bedroom growing up
2: of Johnny the Jet Rogers playing for the Toronto Orgonauts. So Toronto they, is my they my favorite team. I'm a Toronto Orgonauts uh,
1: guy. You know Flutie played there a couple of years, really? and he yeah. was perfectly suited. And um, the maybe the best quarterback was a guy named Conrad Holloway out of Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, he won so many uh, great Cups. And then Warren Warren Moon came Warren, from and- yeah. Uh, Dieter Brock. Dieter Brock. I still talk to Dieter every once in a while. Really? I can't Yo, believe it. Yo, man, you let me tell you name. something. You talk about. Uh, about two of our listeners know who Dieter Brock is. Uh, well, he signed with Auburn and then ended up finishing with Jacksonville oh, State. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, know. So everybody's an Alabama guy. I don't he, finished, uh, <laughs> he finished with the Rams. That's right. I think. He did. Um, number five. But uh, I remember people saying. And and I watched you know a little bit about his arm strength. It was Elway like, and you don't say that very often. No, um, and a fun guy. He was a Canadian Football League kind of guy. They also had another guy that ended up uh, playing in Birmingham called Matt Dunnigan. We've gone too far on the CFL, man. <laughs>
2: throw throw one of those flags. Deep on dive me. into the CFL. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so. I don't even know where to go from there. How about to break? Okay, because we're getting good. behind in our business. <laughs> That's what the butcher. <laughs> what did the butcher say when he backed into the meat grinder? I got a little behind in my business. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not somewhat funny? Boom, boom. We'll be back, maybe.
2: Weather brought to you by Tidwell Chiropractic, the only third-generation chiropractor in Tuscaloosa with over 25 years' experience. Call Tidwell Chiropractic at 752-36,
0: or tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 54, colder on Thursday, a good supply of sunshine, the high 49. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Good players around this facility at Town Square. But the man just walked in our studio and he'll come in in a minute. Ryan Fowler is just awesome. Listen to his show. It comes on about 15 minutes. There are like four people already on hold waiting to talk to him.
2: I've been in here by myself before when our show starts, like right at noon and at 12.02, Ryan will have callers waiting to yeah. talk to
1: Ryan at 2 o'clock. I don't know. Well, right what now you do, got to Danny, that? A.J., Dawson. That's not the Dawson, is it? That, from And then uh, Paul. All these people are online uh, to talk to him. Kind of makes me feel like we better step up our game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, he does, Ryan does such a great job of giving voice to the diehard of the diehard fans. Um Christian I know as a player you probably when you were playing you probably didn't have time to listen to the radio but were you, were you guys aware of of Ryan's show and of Fine and or did you really just try to tune everything
3: out uh, honestly it's not like we were you know ignorant to them but we just I mean, You're we really, would, busy. We, I know that, right? You know, <laughs> and we would see like you know the ESPNs uh, and, and whatnot, like the, the big networks if it's on TV. But um, we didn't necessarily, necessarily hear you know like some of like the, the radios. But I, I actually uh, got to know Ryan um, uh, personally. You know, he's a great guy. We've uh, done some hunting together, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I love Ryan. I There's love the show. Shot, you were Ryan. I, I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I,
1: when you say you don't know, it means you. No, no, <laughs> no, no. no, no. Uh, you know, I think we both are, you know,
3: talented when okay. it comes to that. Okay. But, uh, no, I, I, it's, we try not to, you know, focus on it. And, uh, obviously, the ESPNs and whatnot, they're, they're, those are going to be there. You're going to hear or see those. Or if we're on Twitter, we're going to see, you know, the big, uh, you know, college game days. Or they're going to. Yeah. You know, we're going to see that kind of stuff. But um, I wouldn't say, you know, we're – tuning in each week like oh what are they saying about the team this week right right <laughs> I just uh I,
2: I and I, I know he wouldn't mind me mentioning his name because he's he's told me it's okay but I had Chris Owens in mm-hmm. a couple of my classes mm-hmm. and uh just a, a phenomenal student mm-hmm. but I just and, and Chris and I would after class we would talk a, a lot and um I was just amazed at how busy all of you guys are I mean it's like Every minute of every day is pretty much
3: scripted for you. Oh, I can run through it real quick. As a freshman, you have to, well, at least when I was there, you have to work out in the morning, right? So, that you, and you normally have the 8 a.m. classes your freshman year. So, you'd have to do the 6.30 lift, 8, 8 o'clock class. you got to try to squeeze breakfast in somewhere. Um, you get done with all your classes probably by noon. Meetings start at 2, but between noon and 2, you have to eat lunch. Go get dressed, do treatment if you're injured.
2: So you don't have time for a
3: nap? No, no, not at all. And so from 2 to about 3.15, you're in meetings. Then you go to the locker room, get changed in about 15 minutes. by 3.30ish, you're out on the football field. Practice till about 5.30ish. Um, after practice, you might need to do a little treatment or whatnot. You'll eat dinner. You have mandatory, mandatory tutoring, and that usually runs between.
1: Every single player. You know, it's yeah, it's just freshmen. No, no, no. Well, all, freshmen all freshmen
3: freshmen have, you know, a little bit longer of schedules cuz some, sometimes because they might have more classes or the way it's set up, okay. they always have the early classes, but yeah, then you go to mandatory tutoring and so around 738, you're finally getting back to your dorm.
2: I had uh, a, a, another player, not Chris or sorry, not um Chris, uh but and I don't know if it's like this for everybody, mm-hmm. but there would be this this uh, little old lady she would come by and peek into the classroom. Oh, There's the a, checkers. D- do you know who did? Yeah, oh, you, you probably man. know exactly oh, who I'm the, talking oh, about. Yeah, you're probably, that, talk,
3: you're probably talking about Miss Joy. She was the yes, sweetest. Yes, yes, There you go. Yeah,
2: she was so sweet. Oh, so yeah. sweet. But she would make sure that this particular player was in class. Oh,
3: no, that's every player. Every single every, player. They have a class checker outside of any classroom that a, a football player is in. And I'm sure the other sports probably have checkers as well, but with football we'd have, we'd have checkers outside our class making sure not only are we in class, but we're getting there on time. And if not, they report it back to the coaches and we'll be disciplined if not. So, yeah, they they take the academic side very serious.
2: And the academic support is truly amazing, especially mm-hmm. for the football team, because I've worked with some of the, the, the uh, I guess, the advisors, yeah. counselors. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just it, it's as it's as good as it possibly could be. I I can't imagine it being any better at another school. Maybe it's the same, but what what Alabama does for their players is truly remarkable.
3: No, they put you in a position to succeed, and they, they give you all the resources necessary. Whether that's you know again the, the advisors setting things up for you, helping you get helping you get the right schedule um that that works for you, and and putting you in the tutoring programs to to, to not even if you don't really need to learn something but just to make sure you have time to do your assignments because again we're, we're so busy with football so they do a great job and they, they make it easy to succeed here
2: I mean football truly is a full-time job for you
1: guys and you're <laughs> well, going just, to school definitely he explained a 13-hour day and you know you had- <laughs> no it's 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 absolutely amazing I want to do another dive on these uh, class checkers for the Wow, what do you? If you have a class at Bidgood, do you see the same person when you go over to Morgan? They
3: trust me. They have a, a, a good bit of uh, advisor, so it, sometimes it varies. But yeah, no, they they make sure they have all their bases covered. Yeah. Trust me. You yeah. know
1: why? Because. Guess who they have to answer to if they don't? That's exactly the what, the, the class yeah. checkers are under as much pressure no, as I, y'all I, I, are. I, I, right. I
2: had one class at low library and normally not that low, right? I'm usually nice Pfeiffer, I, I, and this checker was there all
1: the time. That is absolutely awesome. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll be back tomorrow at noon, and on this station, Ryan Fowler is next.
0: Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance.